Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Jeff Fedoten with Believe in Chiefs on the Believe Podcast Network, Kansas City's number one sports podcast network. The only place for the show for every team and Casey and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? On this week's show, former Chiefs offensive lineman Joe Valerio and I discuss training camp in the Chiefs' first preseason game on Saturday. Joe, I can't wait for the actual games to begin. I mean, we didn't even have a preseason or preseason games last year. And I bet you're excited. I bet you're also a little bit recharged after uh, your your RV vacation here. Yeah, Jeff. Thanks for uh, you know allowing me the, the week to take off and get away with the family a little bit. We did an RV trip up through New England. Uh, we did uh, Connecticut and Mystic in Connecticut. We did uh, Newport, Rhode Island, Block Island in Rhode Island, and we headed up to Acadia National Park and Bar Harbor, as that, or as they say up in in Maine, Bahaba. And we had some lobster and, uh, you know, it was really fun, but we, we rented a, an RV and, and we, we had all of, uh, all of the, all of the immediate family go together. And, and it was great for us to have some time together and, and get refreshed before, uh, before the season. Now I'm ready. Now I'm ready. I'm refreshed and, and ready to go. And only one injury to speak of. I'm, I'm not on IR, but I did have one paddleboard incident. So lineman, off, former offensive lineman should not get on uh, small paddleboards. I'm just going to, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it at that. My piece of advice for our listeners. Uh, solid advice for uh, any, especially any former linemen out there listening. You know, you <laughs> got to get the right size equipment. Uh, yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned New England because uh, I was going to talk about uh, Coach Spags met with the media on Tuesday, and he is a Massachusetts guy through and through. With a, he would say lobster, just as you said, he's got a thick accent. Always great to hear from him, though, because he's, He's very candid, and it was interesting to hear what he was looking forward to Saturday. They, they really, what he calls it is they call it wrap and release, how they kind of tackle during training camp, not really bringing to the ground because they're just trying to avoid injuries. Um, and so he's really excited to see the live tackling on Saturday and how they do with that because it's kind of a first. Joe, can you talk about that, that transition, though? And I'm also guessing that under Marty, you know, there was more – tackling a lot more than, oh, than, than there is now. There was a lot. <laughs> a lot, there was of, a lot. You guys can't see. There's a lot. Joe is, Joe is uh, laughing yeah. out loud for sure. There was, there was a lot of live sessions, as we used to call them, <laughs> um, with Coach Schottenheimer. But, you know, it was, it was just different era, right? It was just different type of football, different, different time um, in the game. But, you know, tackling, you know, Jeff, if you really boil it down and you look at all of the things that happen on a football field, the specific – skills we'll call them right um tackling is probably the one probably the 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 and when you when you put it on a scale it's probably as far off the scale as any other skill that you can do without pads 
or do without being quote, and I'm doing air quotes, being live. Mm -hmm. Because tackling, you can't replicate. It's so hard to replicate without actually finishing the tackle off, right? Because blocking, you know, as a lineman, like, I don't know, I got to be honest, like, it, it just, it's blocking without pads and doing it in a walkthrough session or some kind of a, a speedy, you know, kind of like, um, we used to call them shells, right? We would wear right. these like soft shoulder pads. You can block like you can in the NFL. There's not a lot of use of your shoulders and unless you're like trap blocking or something like that, you know, and, and, you, you know, throwing, catching, running routes, covering, um, rushing the passer is not really even something that you need pads on to really get adept at and, and to build your skills. But tackling, you can't, you can't not do it yeah, without pads and without really going live. So, yes, this preseason game will be a big test of, you know, tackling skills and, and what the team needs to work on when it comes to actually finishing off a tackle and, you know, putting, putting an offensive player down whether he's a receiver who caught it or whether he's a quarterback on a sack or a running back coming through the hole, you know, it's going to take uh, it's going to take a couple of preseason games, I think, to, to really get that down if they're not doing it in practice the way that we did with, with Coach Schottenheimer. And even uh, when you played under Coach Schottenheimer, who had his, probably as physical camp as there was in the, in the NFL, was there still even transition going from those practices to the preseason as far as the hitting and tackling? Uh, speed, the speed of it, you know, because you can't, that's another thing you can't really replicate, right? You can't really replicate the speed of the game itself. Mm -hmm. When, when, when you notch it up in a game, I'm telling you, I'm going to use a percentage and say that it's at least 25 to 30% faster in a game preseason or regular season doesn't really even matter. 25 to 30% faster just because of adrenaline. Number one, um, the, the, just the, the psychological, uh, factor of being in the game and, and making it like the full on competition, like win or lose, like, yes, you wanted to win at training camp and drills and you wanted to, you know, you wanted to, to, to show yourself and, and to make an impression and do all those things. But man, when it gets to game time, it's just like, it ratchets up at least 20, 20 to 30% faster. And so the speed at which it happens uh, definitely is a, is a, it's for those rookies out there that might be like getting their feet under them right now, man, they're going to get in that first preseason game. And it doesn't matter if you were someone like me who played at a smaller college or somebody who played at, you know, Notre Dame or Michigan or one of the big schools, it, the NFL, it, you know, with the number of players out there who've been doing it for a long time and they get, you know, they, they are used to the speed. It's going to be it's going to be eye opening for for some of the rookies, especially you know especially uh, you know up front uh, with the pass rushing, um, you know the wide receivers, the, you know running backs. I mean, you're, they're going to see a totally different kind of speed out there come Saturday against the Niners. Uh, great insight there, Joe. And and with uh, a slate of NFL games starting up uh, this weekend, this is the perfect time to go to Bet Online because if you're into sports betting, Bet Online is where you should go to win money today. Whether it's live bets during games or futures for who you think will win the championship, Bet Online has all the latest odds, news, and information for all your online sports betting needs. Visit the website today or use your mobile device to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So before the next game, head on over to Bet Online and start playing today. 
Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Uh, Joe, one of the things we're going to be looking at, of course, uh, for Saturday's game, and we're going to be looking at throughout the preseason and the season because it's the kind of the big focal point, the big change of the Chiefs. And of course, since we're we we're co- we have this show with a former offensive line, and it's the the thing to really analyze is the offensive line. And so, the the presumptive starters, unless something really changes, you know, last minute injury or something, uh, really three rookies are going to start. Orlando Brown, we know the, the the big trade acquisition is going to be uh, the left tackle and Joe Tooney, we, the big free agent acquisition is going to be the left guard, as we know. But then the right side, you have Creed Humphrey, a rookie center. Trey Smith is still um, starting over Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, though uh, LDT has been slowed by hand injury. And then Mike Rimmers had early in camp been starting at right tackle, but he's still fighting a back injury. Uh, so we're going to have Lucas Niang, who basically is a rookie. He was drafted uh, the year before, but opted out. Uh, Joe, your your thoughts on the on the offensive line? What you're going to be looking for uh, with them on on Saturday? No, it's great, Jeff. And obviously, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see the development of Creed, Trey, and Lucas, right? As as rookies, we know that, that Lucas isn't technically a rookie, but let's for all intents and purposes, right. he right. is. Um, you know. I think it's great. I think it's great that they're starting and I'll tell you why I think it's great. Number one, we're going to get, it's going to test their metal a little bit. Again, going back, coming full circle to our speed conversation. It's going to, we're going to see if they can adjust to other players going against other players, right? Um, Trying to make a team, you know, because, you know, we, we talked about this a couple, you know, I think we've talked about this maybe in a couple of episodes about like brother-in-lawing, right? Like when you get to training camp and you're, you're, you're working against your own players you can use that. We use that term brother-in-law. Like if somebody's banged up, you don't like go out to try to really, you know, make them look foolish if they have a hurt shoulder or something, right? You can, you want to take care of your own, right? So you don't, you might not be going 100% against, I mean, certainly there's a competition thing and you're trying to compete and get better, but there is always that feeling that you're going against your own player. All holds, no, no holds barred, right? Against the Niners. Those Niners players are trying to make the team. They don't care about Creed Humphrey's, you know, nicked up hamstring, or they don't care about, you know, Trey Smith's finger that's not feeling well or whatever. Like they're getting after it. So we're 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 not going to see any brother-in-lawing in a preseason game, and we're going to get to see Creed, Trey, and Lucas uh, see how they adjust to the speed. I'm not worried about Orlando. I'm not worried about Joe. But here's where I where I get excited. As good or bad. And I'm assuming that they're all going to play very well, and I'm wishing them all all the best. But if if they don't for some reason, think about who's there behind them, mm-hmm. right? You got Remmers, who's going to get better. He's going to heal. You got Andrew Wiley, starter, LDT, starter, Austin Blythe coming to the Chiefs as a starter, Nick Allegretti, tons of starts, right? I mean, come on. Like, how good should we feel about these young players going out and getting some reps regardless of how well or you know poorly they play in this preseason game because you've got uh, you've got basically almost 10 starters at this point right if you consider now if you consider Lucas a starter and Trey a starter and Creed a starter if they've earned those spots based on depth chart and injury and things like that and then you throw in the names that I threw in before you got to feel really good about this offensive line 
Um, and, and they will find, and, you know, and Andy Heck and, and Eric Bianami and, and coach Reed will find the right mix of these players that will be the best five going forward when the season opens. But my gosh, you got to feel really good. And don't forget, don't forget Kyle Long, right. On, on the physically un, un, unable to perform list, right. It's amazing what, what they have right now. Um, and, and this is, you know, the Super Bowl was exactly, I know we've talked about this ad nauseum, right. The Super Bowl is the reason why this offensive line looks the way it does. And I think I think they're going to use this preseason to find that perfect balance of the five that are going to open the season up and, and be ready. So I'm I'm excited about it. I can't, I can't wait to see how it all plays out for them. To that point about the depth, and it just goes to show now, Coach Reed has made Rimmer's injury sound like it's just it's getting better. It's a matter of time. It's just back spasms. But that said, to that point, this, this is why Brett Veach did this and made depth such a priority is that you know, already Remmers and LDT are banged up. We know about Kyle Long. So that's why he really wanted to get too deep. You know, again, these injuries will heal, but you're, you're still really early in what's going to be a 17-game season. So it, that depth is a priority. And I, I really am interested to see the offensive line because I, I'm very optimistic um, about the offensive line, but it's it's not even without risk like um, – you know, Orlando Brown, I think, was a, such a smart acquisition, but he's going to a more – he talked about it on Tuesday that he's going to a more pass-based offense. He was – you know, the Ravens are as more as run-oriented as anyone, and he's excited to show people that he can play left tackle in that kind of offense. Um, but it's still – you know, it's still a challenge. It's, it still has to be shown, and uh, the rookies still have to show themselves too. Yeah. Uh, fun to see all this and see it play out in the season. Oh my gosh. Well, Jeff, think about it. Let's, let's, let's literally think about a team that has been to three, you know, AFC championships, right. And, and you're, you're talking about if let's say something crazy happens and, you know, and, and Mike Remmers doesn't start the season. Um, and let's say it's Lucas, right. Let's say, mm-hmm. let's say LDT doesn't get back in the lineup and Trey earns, their offensive line starting this game, if, 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 if t- let's say this Saturday was the first game of the season, they're a whole new five up front. Yeah, that's nuts. I mean, you, that's like, like unheard of in the NFL. It's crazy, right? I mean, so, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's I, I start thinking about that. I, I get a little nervous, actually, because I'm thinking about, like, wow, like, usually when you look back, like, at, at the, at the, Patriots, um, you know, dynasty years, right? In front of Brady, like they were so consistent up front, right? They were all, it was like the same three, four or five guys year in and year out for most of it, you know? And, and you look back to some of the great chiefs lines that went through the, you know, nineties and early in the two thousands and, and, and beyond, right. They were so solid. Those, those lines that had played all together. Um, this isn't going to be interesting. And, and so I think for a lot of reasons, all eyes should be, you know, on the offensive line if you're looking at the offense. Look, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey, I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to really come into his own this year. You know, I think the, the receiving core, right, they're, they're all relatively experienced, right? It's not like there's any, any super young or rookies in there, right? I mean, Hardman Hill and Robinson are still veterans, so to speak. I think if you're an off, if you want to watch this team and you really want to take hold of what the season's going to bring, follow this offensive line from this Saturday all the way through the um, 
you know, follow them all, all the way through the season because it's going to, I think it's going to be telling how, how this offense does. Totally. I, I'm so excited to see that. Well, so Joe, I, I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. I was reading a press release about how he started taking a pH balancing alkaline supplement called Balance 7, and that's what has helped him bounce back from his hospitalization in 2015. He even said, I have an enormous amount of energy, which is good for me. It's important when working out, I always need energy to level up. Couldn't agree more with a little more. And after watching him fight Aaron Carter in July's celebrity boxing match, I think it's safe to say that Balance 7 is working for him. Cool thing is we've got a promotion running with Balance 7 right now, where if you go to their website, balance7.com, and use the code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, at checkout, you'll receive a free four-ounce bottle of My Smooth Skin with any purchase of Balance 7 products. That product retails at $13.99, so I'd say it's worth it. Again, head to balance7.com and use the code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, at checkout to get in on the promotion. I know I will. If it worked for him, it can work for you, too. Uh, Joe, I'm curious who you're excited to really – we mentioned the offensive line, of course. What other players you're kind of really excited to see? Uh, two for me, because uh, they've been talked about. They've been playing really well at camp, but when the lights really turn on. And one of them, Coach Spaggs mentioned, uh, Devon Key is an undrafted free agent who has been playing really well at safety. Want to see how he does. Another guy who's been a talk at camp is uh, – Jody Forson, who's been with the Chiefs a couple years during training camp, more as receiver. He bulked up and is now a tight end um, and, and has been playing great at, at camp and everyone's talking about him. But, again, that's a hard road. It, it's pretty – the reason why I'm so curious to see these guys, they've looked so good, but it is a hard road and, and, and tough to become an undrafted free agent and then really become a guy who's an impact player, a regular player. You know what happens? Eric Hicks – was a very good defensive end for the Chiefs, and he was undrafted. So it happens, but excited to see the path or how it goes from these undrafted guys from training camp practices to the live preseason. Yeah, they're all, that's always fun to, to see players come out like that, right? Like, think of, I think back to, you know, I always love to harken back to, to when I was there with the Chiefs, you know, guys like Willie Davis, right? Keith Cash, you know, players that, you know, you know, maybe have you know, spent a couple of seasons on other teams, coming off practice squads, going to the World League, you know, back then when that existed. Like, it, it, those are players – it's so exciting to see players develop, right, and come through a system and find their spot. Kimball Anders, my gosh, right? Tony Richardson are some names, blast from the past, that, like, who would have thought, right? Dave Zott, seventh-round pick out of Penn State, right? Mostly bounced around between offensive line, defensive line, goes on and has a decades-long career, right, in the NFL uh, and, and, and a powerhouse offensive guard. So really fun to, to see that and to watch um, players find their own. I'm going to just kind of dovetail on what you were saying, Jeff, and, and maybe take a little bit of a different approach and go to some players that are more veteran. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to see Clyde Edwards Hilaire this year. Mm -hmm. He's got enough under his belt now that he's, he's, you know, this is it. This is, this is the year, this is the year for him. I think where, where he, they, they mold the system around him and he complements what Patrick is doing in the passing game. And this is it. He stays healthy. Um, he finds his niche and I think he goes with it. I, I'm really excited on, on the offensive side. 
offensive side of the ball to really watch him. Because I think we know what everybody else is going to do. And I, I don't, I'm not shortchanging the, the, the receiving core's developmental needs and, and some of the needs that they may have as starters as a group. But I'm really going to focus in on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I want to see how this year for him is like – I don't want to say it's a make it or break year. He's, he's definitely proven himself that he's a solid NFL player. But I think this is a year where he could have a breakout. Aside from the, the, this game specifically, something I wanted to talk about um, – so, some news that was uh, released Tuesday uh, that the NFL re- released a video, um, an official video, which they give out every week kind of to the media cover in the NFL about rules, about penalties from that week. And anyhow, the video for this week was about uh, rule changes, rule em- emphasis of certain rules for the season. And one of the changes is they're really trying to crack down on taunting. So now two taunting penalties and a player is out of the game. Joe, personally, I find this a little harsh. I think it's important to crack down on helmet to helmet hits, uh, better safety for to protect against concussions and CTE, of course. The, the taunting though, I know this, this seems like just rules for rules sake. It just, it, I, I Joe, I'm curious as a former player, your, your, your take on, uh, on this. Well, Jeff, we, we all know I grew up in the coach Schottenheimer era and you know, when you made a sack, you acted like you'd made a sack before, you know, when you got in the end zone, you acted like you'd been there before. Right. So Marty was not big on that. Now listen, he let us have fun. Right. I mean, we, we had fun. I, I, I tried doing the cabbage patch once after scoring and I promised my wife I would never do that again. You know, Neil Smith had the, the George Brett homage, right. Swinging the home run after he had a nice sack. Like those were fun signature things um, that I think, you know, you don't want to take the fun out and coach Schottenheimer definitely wanted us to have fun. Um, you know, the taunting, to me personally just sends the wrong message, right? These are supposed to be players that you're competing against, right? It's one thing to have your signature dancer like Neil Smith has swing the bat or do whatever it is, but like to actually taunt another player, you know, to me that just doesn't send the right sportsmanship message to the youth of of why you play the game and and that you pour your hundred percent out onto the field as the other opponent is pouring their hundred percent on the field and the best person wins in that particular moment. And then taunting somebody, you know, it just, to me, it sends the wrong message to the youth about what sports is all about. And that's why I, and that's why I think maybe they're, they're going to crack down on a little bit, right? They don't want, they don't want players emulating, you know, those kind of behaviors at, at, the, at the youth football level or at the youth sports level, thinking that, you know, you can, you know, get in a player's face or, or to, to, to sort of rub it in, right, so to speak. It just sends a bad sportsmanship message. I, I'm, I'm all for the celebrations. I wish they would do more. I wish they would allow more of it. I love the coordinated dances and the, you know, when they get down there and they have something, you know, like I know they, you know, it's big in soccer, right, where they, they'll do those after they score a goal, they'll have some fun thing. Like that's fun. That makes it fun. But the taunting just – it just taunting takes that celebration – and it just notches it over a level. And for me, it's something that I don't, I don't really appreciate about the game and taunting somebody when you've beaten them for a touchdown or, you know, you've thrown a pass that, you know, uh, that was right on target and you point at somebody. And I, to me, it just doesn't I, – I don't, I don't go for it. So I, I think if they need to crack down on it to keep it from happening by getting ejected and not just penalty yards, 
that's okay by me. I so my take is, and I'm not condoning Todd Lexon. If he, if he were playing football, I wouldn't say uh, who's who's a ways away from that. He's seven months. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I would not, you know, I would I would reprimand him if he was taunting an opponent, and that's not how we do things. And you know, like you said, act like you've been there before. But that said, I, I think ejection is too. I think it's too strong, and I think sometimes you let players kind of work. An example of like Tyree Kill when he would score a long touchdown. Sometimes he would do like the peace sign and peace. I might be kind of cute, might offend you, but I think if it offends you as a defender, I think you use that as motivation and and try and uh, stop him the next time. You know, maybe maybe you maybe even hit him a little bit harder. Of course, legally. Um, I think legislate it kind of this way. I just don't like the idea of like the NFL kind of getting in the way of, uh, of this. I don't know. I, I think there's enough issues with the game and worries and concerns, especially with safety. Like let that be, yeah. focus. That that's kind of where, where I'm at. So I, I hear you, Jeff. I hear you. There, there are so many bigger fish to fry, right. Mm-hmm. When it comes to, to keeping players healthy and safe and, you know, God, I, I just wish they would focus on doing something with like kickoff returns or, or something right. like that. Right. Um, the, you know, I, I, the, the problem I think, and, and I'm just, I'm just trying to play through the scenarios and when taunting happens. Right. And a lot of times it happens after scores mm-hmm. and then they assess the penalty. Maybe, the, maybe this is something that the rules committee was going through, right. They, they assess those penalties on kickoffs which who cares, right? They're kicking the NFL kickers are kicking it out of the end zone most yeah, of the time anyway. Right. So what the heck's a 15 yard penalty on the mm-hmm. kickoff return. So I don't know. I'm just playing out the scenarios and why they maybe went that route um, because they were trying to go through the different scenarios of when they would assess the penalty. And it was like yardage doesn't even really mean anything to give somebody a 15 yard penalty, right. right? Even if you gave them three 15 yard penalties for three different tauntings, you know, um, I think maybe it's the only way that they can they can limit that behavior. I'm just playing devil's advocate, right? Mm-hmm. And just going down that road of of playing out the different scenarios of 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 why they would make it in an ejection versus you know yardage, um, because I I I think it's the only way they maybe can deter the behavior. Well, yes, they do have a lot bigger fish to fry. I think this is this is something that the NFL wants to to nip in the bud. Uh, my other issue with it, Joe, is again, I think the NFL needs to do, you know, what they can for, for head safety and, and obviously enforce rules that way. I, I think too many flags, kind of the over legislation, I think they almost do less rather than do more. I think it is affecting um, the watchability of the game and, and the product on the field when you have too many flags. And now you could argue this this is an ejection versus a flag, so that's not creating further disruption and now there's stoppage of play, but I'm always, I'm always when there's like further legislation in the game. I kind of rubs me the wrong way, I guess. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't want to be watching the officials. You want to be watching Patrick Mahomes and Frank Clark and, you know, Willie Gay and, and Teron Matthew. I mean, th- those are the players you want to be watching. You know, nobody, nobody wants to be watching penalties and flags flying and listening to officials and having them go over to the replay booth and blah, 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 blah. Like it's just, you're right. You want to see the game be played. It, it does, you know, I can see why it would take away uh, from that. And, and maybe, maybe this, maybe this does, you know, ultimately long-term keep that from happening. You know, who, who knows? Let's hope so. Uh, and again, the, the chiefs will face 
a different opponent for the first time. That's always exciting for the players and fans and everything on Saturday against the 49ers. Uh, Joe, you, you guys often had, in addition to the preseason games in the Cheese League, you guys scrimmaged against different teams because uh, Marty Schottenheimer had kind of a different philosophy than, than Andy Reid does right now if you could talk about that a little bit yeah yeah while, while I wasn't checking my work emails while I was on vacation I, I was definitely still <laughs> keeping you know uh, around the campfire I was definitely keeping updated on Twitter and things that were going on and I know I've been seeing some chatter out there about you know Andy Reid not really liking the co-practice right the practice with another team uh, during training camp and, and I, I read some really interesting you know things about that and and some philosophies that people were were saying about why Andy doesn't like it because he's a teacher and he's a coach. He doesn't like coaching in front of other teams or other players. And it's like almost like it's a personal thing, right? Coaching. Um, and I, and I really respect that. I, you know, I think, I think he's spot on, especially in today's limited environment with what you can do at training camp and what they're doing to, to keep players safe and healthy for the season. Um, you don't really have time to be smashing heads with, you know, other teams on a regular basis. Now, when when Coach Schottenheimer was running the show, we did a lot of that. Like, you know, and you mentioned the Cheese League, right? We had all the six or seven teams up there within a three or four hour drive of each other. So we would take these bus trips and we would stay and like, we would go to Wisconsin lacrosse and stay at the Saints training camp for a couple of days. We would go to Mankato and, st and stay with the Vikings for a couple of days. The Vikings would come to us, you know, um, and, and so – there was a lot of practices that we did, we, you know, the Packers uh, we practiced with. And, like, it was, um, it was hard. It was hard to, to, in the middle of training camp, when you're trying to get healthy and ready for the season, to be going full live against another team. And it was almost like it added extra preseason games, almost. And, um, you know, it just – Coach Schottenheimer just he liked the fact that you could compete against somebody else and you couldn't and there's my, my term again brother-in-law you couldn't brother-in-law against somebody from the Saints because they weren't having it they were going they were getting after it and they were going live uh you know I used to almost dread when we would go with the Vikings because we had to put up with Chris Dolman and John Randall for two days wow it's like and those guys their motor was wow like off the charts right so John Randall's not brother-in-law with anybody <laughs> and you know you're going live against guys like that at a practice and you're trying to coach and it just, it just, there was fight. There were, there was always a lot of fights. It was, it was hard. It was hard to go against other teams at training camp. So I could see why coach Reed wouldn't, wouldn't like to do it in this new found environment of, you know, player safety, player health and, and keeping, you know, limited amounts of, of physicality before you get to the season. So I think it's, you know, I think it's great because Andy's a coach, he's a coach's coach and he's a teacher. So not that Coach Schottenheimer wasn't, but it was just different philosophies. Yeah, very interesting, different philosophies. Like, I get how uh, Coach Schottenheimer wanted that competitiveness and to prepare you for the season, but I get that Andy Reid looks at himself as a teacher, and you can't really do that as much um, when you have the joint practices. You don't want to give things away. And, and um, You know, it's an interesting trend. I think eventually what we're going to have, I'm sure we're eventually going to have an 18-game season, and I think we're – I don't know if the preseason will be totally scrapped or be even fewer games already down to three for the first time, but there are going to be more of those joint practices and fewer preseason games. Um, 
I'll guess, but uh, yeah, I could see that happening, and, and and they could you know do some live work and and make it not like you know totally a full live practice for the whole two and a half hours. You know, you could do some one on you know seven on seven live. You could do some goal line live. You know, you can maybe run a, a couple of uh, you know uh, you know scrimmage plays like you know ten plays for the offense, ten plays for the defense. Do like a little scrimmage. Um, it would definitely take the place of a preseason game without having to have a full full blown you know, effort around the preseason game, which is a lot of effort to put a game on, preseason or not. Totally. And what we're really hoping for this week, Joe, is just in all preseason, just no injuries. And unfortunately, fortunately, Joe had a close call, but you are probable, right? Despite the, I am, the, uh, I am probable, and uh, you know, I am probable for for this game. So it's, I'm definitely hit. I will hit the, I will hit the, I will come off the injury list definitely by Thursday. Gotcha. This is might might be ice until then. After that faithful paddleboard injury, but yeah. good to know that Joe will be good to go watching this game. Well, this is Jeff Bedoten with uh, Believe in Chiefs. And if you enjoy this show presented by Bet Online, please subscribe and rate the show on iTunes. We're available on your favorite directories: iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.